Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 3. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ, and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of Adventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, restaurant consultant and former community director of the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. Have a drink on me. Welcome back to the Barfly Podcast. Now, with the recent release of the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, we felt that a James Bond martini-type guest was needed. And since we couldn't get Daniel Craig, we thought it was appropriate to invite back Marsh Mokhtari, the founder of Grey Whale Gin, host of Food Network's Extreme Chef, and the secret agent from Geico's James Bond spoof commercial, The Squirrels Are Back in the Attic. So welcome back, Marsh. Thanks for coming up here on a blustery uh, uh, Northern California day. No, oh, it's a pleasure. I'm actually enjoying this uh, wetness up here. It's a big difference from Southern Cal. Well, hopefully Southern Cal will get its own little dose of it. Fingers too. crossed. So, we need it. But what do they say? Get out of those wet clothes and into a dry martini. There you go. I love that. Nice segue. And well, I think that's our, our kickoff point. The new James Bond movie is out. Of course, it's a Never Say... What, what is it? No Time to Die. No Time to Die, of course. Yeah. And that means that we're going to be getting James Bond martinis left and right. Oh, yeah. So, of course, the obvious... First James Bond martini was the Vesper martini. The Vesper martini, unknown to most people, it's actually uh, 75% gin. That's right, the way it should be. Right. Yeah, I mean, everyone <laughs> thinks that uh, that James Bond drinks vodka martinis, but his first one was a, was a gin martini. And you, obviously, make Grey Whale gin. I do, yeah. Which is excellent in a Vesper. Cheers. And, and also excellent in the martini. But why? Well, I think... You know, if you go back to the classic cocktails, there's a reason that they're classics. The classics are around, they, they worked on these cocktails back in the day, and they found the right way to drink alcohol. And the gin, well, gin was the very first martini ever, yes. period. It didn't, didn't, we didn't have vodka. So for me, it's, uh, it's always about the, the flavor. If you look at vodka, vo- vodka for me is a little bit like tofu. It takes on um, whatever you add to it, that flavor profile. So a gin is an opinionated version of that. So gin is just vodka. Let's let's get over ourselves for for your listeners that don't really know what gin is. Gin has to have one ingredient and that is juniper berries. As long as it's got juniper berries within that botanical mix. So if you think of um, of gin as basically a vodka with a tea bag in it and that tea bag has predominantly juniper berries in it, then we've created gin. There's a multitude of varieties in between. Our gin is based on botanicals found right along the migratory path of the gray whale, hence the name gray whale. And we've got botanicals like juniper berries from Big Sur, California, limes from Temecula, fir trees from Sonoma, right on outside the distillery and kombu, kombu sea kelp right. from Mendocino. Umami. Yes, you know it. And mint from Santa Cruz, actually from a little farm up in Pescadero. And then this wonderful fat component, almonds from the Central Valley from Cape Hills Orchard. Now, fat is an important aspect now because we hear a lot about fat wash cocktails. Oh, yeah. And the idea behind having fat in a cocktail is to enhance its flavor because the, the botanicals adhere to that. Correct. Yeah. It's just like any chef. You know, the very first thing you do if you're a French chef, if you're Thomas Keller, you're, you're throwing butter in a pan then probably garlic and you build your flavors from there and that fat content like you just said eloquently it it holds the flavors together for us that uh, that almond component we don't use very much by the way only about a pint in an entire batch but 
it, it really, really adds to the um, the experience and the mouthfeel. And, and of course, since it's distilled, there's no there's no allergen correct problem there. Yeah, right? the allergen doesn't come through on the right. line arm. So. so that's the same thing with the old gluten argument that gluten is a protein doesn't transfer over in distillation unless you add it after the fact. Exactly. Right? So your product is technically gluten free, but it, I'm sure you can't say that because we we can actually oh, because can. Okay. our our base uh, distillate is from derived from corn. Oh, okay. So corn has no gluten, and but you're correct. 99% of all distilled spirits are gluten-free, but I wouldn't go against the celiac society and tell everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, sensitivities are an important thing of course in, they in are, this yeah. day and age. And, and back to sensitivities. So your, your preferred martini, of course, like we had just said, is, is a gin martini. It but is. you like yours stirred. I do. Yeah. Well, when you're chilling a cocktail, there's, there's a couple of ways to do it. You can either put it in a cocktail shaker and shake it vigorously. The, the whole point of this is to uh, chill a cocktail quickly and a little bit of dilution. We right. want a little bit of water dilution. I don't want too much in my cocktail. And if you, uh, if you go back to the classics, they would always stir martinis. Anything that didn't have citrus in it, they would be stirred. Anything that had citrus in it, it would be shaken. So for me personally, yes, I, I want a martini that's stirred. I, I don't want too much dilution and... Uh, and it gets ice, ice cold. When you when you see those pros do it, I love love it when a mixologist really goes to town and the theatrics of sitting at a bar. I miss that in the last couple of years of this global pandemic. But there's sometimes ice forming on the outside of the, the mixing glass right. and it's just beautiful. It's an experience. Right? It is. The whole idea is for a $16 cocktail, it's more than just the sum of its parts. It's the entire experience. Exactly. That. That's why there's fancy glassware. That's why there's all that stuff, right? Exactly Otherwise, right. I mean, you know, uh, gin in a coffee cup is a whole different, says a whole different thing. Gin and the for sure, <laughs> but you know, but back to the James Bond thing. You know, a lot of people also don't understand that James Bond didn't, of course, drink out of a martini glass. It wasn't until Remington Steel actually ordered one in a martini glass that it came in the conical glass. Oh, Everything it did. Before that, but was, what, what did it come in before? Oh, originally it was a coupe. The first oh, yeah. one was a coupe, and then the second time he ordered it in Doctor No, it was a what, some sort of weird little sake cup. Oh, I love this. But well, I you, know I didn't know this. Well, you find out these things. Like uh, I just recently did a story about the medium dry martini, right? Which because after the Vesper, which was the first one, which is the three to one gin with the Lillet, Bond orders a medium dry vodka martini. That's what he's known for. And That's, what's, what's medium dry? Well, medium dry is not a, an extra amount of dry vermouth. It's a mixture of sweet and dry, which oh of course, God. yeah, it's I'm, I'm kind of a shock, right? Because it well, would it's be a red get, drink. Yeah, it's going to have a little red tinge to it. Yes. Yeah. And if you shook it, it would be foamy. So yeah, again, we get these retroactive cocktailians and sometimes they don't quite understand what they're doing. But the idea is those proportions, those recipes were designed 100 years ago and they've stood the test of time. And they're still valid today. There's no nothing new being invented under the sun in that regard. But what is different is in the 60s, the standards of identity had codified what gin could be, what vodka could, could be. And so after those Bond movies, things started to move in a different direction. And gin is definitely moving in a different tr direction, I would think. Yeah, I think so. And and let's let's get right back to James Bond for a quick second here. I think the reason he shook it, I mean, he's a rebel, right? He, he didn't want to be the same as everybody else. And you remember when James Bond was, was written by uh, Sir Ian Fleming, this was a time when everybody was stirring a martini cocktail. And he is like, no, I'm going to do a cocktail shaken, not stirred. Right. Why? And, and I keep going back to, well, hang on. This guy's an assassin. He's holding a gun. Right. He wants to be compass mentis when he's shooting that gun. He doesn't want it to go off and miss the, miss the intended target. The more dilution you have, the less alcohol. I mean, it, he's got a lot more water going in a, in a shaken cocktail. Plus, it's 
it's different, and he wanted to be a rebel. Right. Well, and also, <laughs> remember back then, vodka was 100 proof. So the idea of gin was a lower proof idea, so you're kind of neutralizing the vodka and the gin, kind of getting this about 90 proof, which I believe is what Grey Whale is, right? Yeah, we're, we're 86 proof. Right. Yeah, so just, right just a little target. below it. Yeah. So again, makes it a little more palatable, a little softer on the tongue, not quite as bracing, and you can have two martinis. Oh, God, right? yeah. So that's, you know, these, these newer, you know, a lot of these newer cocktails, they're suiting the proof up, and the proof becomes a problem because... 320 proof cocktails and you're you're not you're not gonna be shooting anyone (laughs) or at least accurately so but uh, you know but again this this new generation of gin is different than the old generation it is it absolutely is and i I think it's a sign of just modern shipping times you know back in back in the 1700s 1600s when geneva was around geneva is the original version of gin uh it came over from the dutch and basically heavy on the mouth yes very much so i mean juniper berries are a conifer tree that's grown all over the world it's one of the oldest um, trees on the planet. It's a beautiful little berry. It looks like a little blueberry or a it's very, very dark purpley color and it smells like a, a Christmas tree. It's got that intense piney component and that's what people love about gin and that's what people hate about gin, the people that don't like gin. And what I would say about gray whale is we use Californian juniper berries as well as the traditional juniper berries. We use a, a blend of both and what you get is a much more softer cedar component with our gin. So I think the folks that have have this misconception in their head that, oh, I hate gin, uh, or let, let's call it gin what it is, juniper vodka. They, they don't like that juniper vodka flavor profile, but then when they try gray whale, they go, oh my gosh, there's something really balanced about this. You've got that creamy mouthfeel with, and then a little bit of citrus with the limes and that they don't even know what the kombu sea kelp is, but that, that's something that's used in miso soups and ramens. So it's got this earthy, dashy flavor profile that is just magical. So the first time they try it, they're like, oh my gosh, I could drink this just with an ice cube. And that's not something you traditionally think of as drinking gin with an ice cube, but James Bond was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And, and the other thing is, is that these new gins are much more approachable from that. From that Very much so. Because again, that's the, you know, getting clubbed over the head with a Christmas tree yeah. isn't quite as nice as just having a hint of it. Exactly. And you know, I, I think I've been, uh, I spent yesterday in San Francisco and I, I went and hit up a, a couple of our accounts and what I'm seeing, and, and it's a beautiful thing that uh, a lot of the bars are starting to open back up. I mean, of course, we, we're all being very careful, but what's what's lovely to see is that the classics are coming back. I'm starting to see gin fizzes on the menu. I'm starting to see some of those old, beautiful traditional cocktails and I I don't know what that is whether it's kind of a knee-jerk reaction to this being confined for so long that we just want to go back to what we know and love and we're not trying to do any molecular gastronomy right now in in the cocktail world it's just you know give me a great martini give me a gin fizz give me a give me a Ramos gin fizz and if you've never tried one of those or even a gin sour wow uh, with egg whites it is phenomenal again back to the basics right Mm -hmm. I mean the idea is even Bond says and I think in Casino Royale that he calls a ordering persnickety drinks a little old maidish yes <laughs> you know and everyone emulates that right, right. and so he's making fun of it in the original book but i think when 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 there's pressure on anything we always revert back to what works and what's good and become less experimental and the idea is that those classic cocktails all work but the idea also is gin is is something right vodka is the absence of something vodka strips out all the flavor that's generally the profiles that they do flavored vodka as a side but gin has its 
you can taste it. Absolutely. And so that's what I think people are gravitating towards. They've had enough of these cocktails that are flavorless or are lacking in flavor because, again, neutral grain spirit is neutral. Correct. Where where gin has all these wonderful properties to it, right, the citrus. And and yours is very much a big upswing right now in in Japanese-style gins. And yours was out before most of those came along but is similar in that style. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I think... You know, I touched on it earlier with the traditional London dries and the Scottish gins. They, they've really dominated recently. Some wonderful brands out there that have that have kind of gotten people back into the cocktail world. But I think what what's different about our gin and uh, and the Japanese gins that you're bringing up, and in fact, all of these new wonderful craft gins, we're able to get fresh botanicals. Back in the 1700s, 1600s, everything was dried and put on a ship and brought to London. So of course they were all going to kind of, I don't want to say they all taste the same, but they they broad brushstroke kind of taste the same. It's like saying all bourbons taste the same. They all come from corn. They obviously don't all taste the same, but if you're if I'm drinking a bourbon and I'm drinking a Scottish whiskey, I can tell which one's a bourbon and which one's a Scottish whiskey, even though I might not know which is which. But what I'm getting at with the with the gin world is we're able to hand zest fresh limes now. We're able to go and get things like kombu sea kelp, almonds, mint, fresh mint from Santa Cruz. Those things just weren't available right. in the UK and Scotland back in the 16, 17, 18, 1900s. So that's this genesis that's happening right now. I think there's there's something beautiful that that the world is starting to go, wow, I can actually taste my way along the Pacific and think about this beautiful migratory path of the gray whale that has its babies in Baja, migrates to the Arctic, and it's the longest known migration to mankind. And we, we just kind of want you to sit back and enjoy it. And we're very proud of the fact that we also give back to ocean conservation through our support of Oceana, 1% for the planet. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the right thing to do in today's world. But, and it's something that we're very, very passionate about. Well, there you have it. So gin is a, what was it, genesis? I love that. There's a gin happening. <laughs> a gin that gives back to the community and satisfies all your James Bond needs. What more do you need? Thanks for being here, Marsha. It's great to have you. Oh, it was a pleasure, buddy. So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time when we welcome Susanna Silvestre, owner of the new Zalta restaurant in Sausalito and one of the partners in Marin's first craft distillery, Alamere Spirits. This is Kevin Blum. Thanks for listening. Until next time.